G'day friends, welcome back. Ahsoka Part 3, Time to Fly is the name of this episode. Really great little episode. People are going to talk, oh this is filler. It's the fucking same shit as the Mandalorian. Why the fuck do they have it? This isn't filler. Yeah, it's shorter than I would have liked it to, to be, but this episode has got a lot of purpose. This is about building the relationship between Ahsoka and Sabine, showing us the dynamic between them. It's about Ahsoka learning how to be a better leader and a better teammate working together with Sabine. It's about Hu Yang being funny. It's about really, really big Purgle. Spoiler warning. I forgot to say spoiler warning last week. I, I, I've been doing so much football stuff lately. I've been forgetting to do my spoiler warnings. Spoiler warning for this episode and for the previous two episodes of Ahsoka, if you haven't caught them yet. Oh, let's get into it. So the episode opens on an extended um, training sequence, cold open. Um, we, we start off with Hu Yang doing a bit of training, a practice with Sabine using this forearm uh, sort of scoring technique. So she strikes these like hologram blades and she, you know, that determines how good or, or poorly she's gone in the exercise, which is cool. Something you haven't seen before. Um, I like the little um, things that... Hu Yang is yelling. It gave me like, like I did Taekwondo growing up. Other martial arts have other different things that you will yell out when you do a move sometimes. It really gave me that sort of authentic martial arts vibe. I thought that was really cool. Um, but what was great about this opening sequence was it sort of set up what the entire episode really is about. You know, Ahsoka and Sabine have a history that we haven't seen. Um, this is about showing us where their relationship is at and the kind of dynamic that they have. And I thought it was fantastic. Um, Hu Yang is a fucking savage. I'm thoroughly enjoying you got to have a funny droid in your show. Um, I would love there to be a little bit more chopper, but I will take Hu Yang quite happily. He's very, very funny. Um, David Tennant is doing a great job um, doing the vocal acting for Hu Yang. He is a savage um, he's, he's just knocking Sabine down every chance he gets and he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> and Ahsoka's like, can you please not? This is unhelpful. And he's like, but she sucks. She's terrible <laughs> and she needs to be told. <laughs> so yes, I'm thoroughly enjoying him. Um, they do, uh, the type of training that we've seen a number of times in different ways now across Star Wars training blind. So using the force rather than your eyes to sense what is coming, block the blaster bolt, block the lightsaber, whatever. Being at, It really hones one's aptitude with the force, having to use it to survive. When you have your eyes, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's literally, it's like when someone is actually blind, 
in real life and they and they rely a lot more on their hearing and their other senses to tell them what's going on it's exactly like that and for those who haven't seen rebels kanan is one of the chief characters in the rebel show he's a jedi um he gets blinded by darth maul at the end of season two so he spends the remaining two seasons unable to see and he has to learn how to get around and fight and protect his friends without the ability to see and it's frustrating for him for a time um so i really really liked that ahsoka did this with sabine um i really liked the beginning when ahsoka's walking around the room and she's explaining the point of the exercise and she says where am i what and like we think as well because of the way that it's cut and edited that she's standing next to her yang and sabine goes you're next to her yang but then she goes am i and she's on the fucking other side of the room i don't know how she did that did she project her voice is she really quick and really quiet i don't know but it was really cool they're giving really subtle hints to the the level that ahsoka is at i think she is more powerful than we realize i think this is a, a she's a good ways more powerful now than she was in rebels like a, and we're only we're not even 10 years removed from when we saw her in rebels so um i think she's a fair bit more powerful than when we saw her there fighting darth vader um yeah i, I enjoyed this scene enormously it was pretty funny seeing sabine just wail around at some points just missing wildly i found that like the i don't know if it was meant to be physical comedy but i enjoyed it quite a bit um and the music the music in the show has been excellent so far the music in this episode is fantastic the music in this scene was a highlight i i enjoyed it enormously really really well done kevin kiner the next scene we cut to hera she's meeting with um the chancellor and a bunch of senators the chancellor is now mon mothma who we know very well uh from rogue one the original trilogy and or um now played reoccurringly by genevieve o'reilly brilliantly she does a fantastic job um really really cool to see her this is a really interesting scene because they're, they're sort of weaving through some of the scenes or some of the themes, I should say, from Andor, funny enough. Um, now that the New Republic is back in control, that they're trying to show us how arrogant and toffee-nosed they are. Like, yeah, we won the war, we're hot shit, no one's ever coming back to, to, to take their shit from us again, we're the best, we don't need to worry about anything. They're, they're trying to convey that big time or another possibility and i'm probably leaning this way every single one of those fucks in this scene except for mon mothma is a baddie they're all still empire loyalists they're all afraid of the empire so as soon as the empire pokes its head out again they'll be like oh we like the empire the empire is great please don't hurt us that's that's a hundred percent what i think is happening fuck this this guy's ziono fucking what a dickhead just oh, what a little pompous prick god like he, he's hera and mon are exchanging pleasantries how are the kids what's going on and he's like can we just fucking get on with it and i was like how about you fucking eat a dick mate god what a he's definitely he's definitely a a little thrawn simp 100 percent. got no doubt so are the other two 
who spoke. The guy with the three eyes who didn't say anything, I trust him completely. But the other two who were like, oh, I, I don't see any enemies. We don't need to go to war. <laughs> they're, they're both, they're all baddies. One, two, three, baddie, baddie, baddie. 100%. Um, but I like what they're doing. I, I like how they this is how they explain that when we come to the sequel trilogy, we've got the first order all of a sudden. Like, how, how does this, how do they return? How does this come back? Because this new empire thought they were so hot shit, thought that they, they didn't have anything to worry about. There's no empire. There's no Sith anymore. There's no nobody. We're, we're fucking great. We're all powerful. That's how the First Order returns. It. I, I'm buying this completely. I think it's a good way to explain that. Um, got no issues there. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, another thing, is fantastic in this scene in particular, but she's doing a great job in the show so far. She is nailing Hera. I don't know how to describe it, but she she's doing a perfect job of transferring the animated version to, to live action. She is capturing what Hera is just absolutely beautifully. Um, and she's really, really good in this scene. I, I, I just enjoyed her performance a lot. She gets emotional when Ziono's talking shit about Ezra. And I just thought the acting was really good. Um, then the meeting ends. She goes out in the hallway and there's little Jason. And I'm not going to lie, I had a little bit of a cry. Um, for those who have seen Rebels and those who haven't, again, I've, I reckon I've said this 50 times on this podcast. If you haven't seen Rebels, go and watch it. It's amazing. It is fantastic. One of the last few episodes of Rebels, we lose a chief character who is Jason's father um, in an incredibly emotional scene. And the aftermath just makes me bawl my fucking eyes out every single time. Little Chopper holding Hera's hand. Um, just, oh man. Um I loved seeing him here. He doesn't look freaky like he did at the end of, at the end of, in the epilogue of Rebels. Jason is shown and he just looks weird. I don't know. He looks weird. They've stuck with the green hair, which makes sense. Um, but yeah, now he looks like a normal human. Thank God for that. Um, but it was pretty, it was crazy seeing him and he's talking about how he wants to be a Jedi like Sabine. I wonder if Hera has told him about his dad, about Kanan. I don't know. I get the vibe from that scene that maybe she hasn't, because um, otherwise I feel like he would have wanted to be a Jedi already. Maybe that's a path that she's trying to steer him away from, which would make complete sense um, from a mother. Um, the Basically, the entire rest of the episode after this is this extended chase sequence um, as Sabine and Ahsoka and Hu Yang arrive at Kanab, um, where this hyperspace ring is being built by Morgan and where we saw that star map thing in the last episode. Before they uh, arrive there, they're doing a little bit more uh, chit-chat about force sensitivity. Now, this is a really, really interesting scene in terms of the canon of Star Wars. This, this confirms... Or, or it doesn't confirm because it's already been confirmed, but it now puts on screen 
something that George Lucas said a long time ago. Every single person in Star Wars is force sensitive. And I'll be honest, this is not something that I love. It's not an idea that I'm wild about, but George said it, so it's the, it's that's the way it goes. What George says is canon. Um, it's also, it explains why he came up with midichlorians, right? It, because, and Sabine asks it in this, in this scene, if everyone's force sensitive, how come everyone doesn't use the force? And Ahsoka says, well, it comes down to a bit of talent. And that's another way of saying you need to have these microbes in your blood that give you more, um, aptitude for using the force than other people. That's, that's how that works. Like George couldn't come out and say that every single person is force sensitive. And then, I don't know, just some people are better than others. No, they need to be, because then he's, he's gone down a whole very dangerous path. Um, there had to be an, uh, excuse me, there had to be an explanation as to why some people are like Anakin and some people are like Watto. <laughs> um, so that's where that comes from. So this scene's really, really interesting for people who know that, about Star Wars. So it's it's confirmed now and they've spoken about it on screen. So Ahsoka is aware of this and, and believes it, that everyone in the galaxy, every living thing in the galaxy is force sensitive. It flows through everything. It flows through the fucking rocks. So I, I won't hear it from people who say that R2-D2 can't be force sensitive. Of course he can be. Just accept it, you little jerks. Um, this, this raises an interesting question. So... I had wondered, and all of us had wondered, after last week's episodes, has has Sabine ever used the Force? We never saw her use the Force in Rebels. She was taught to use a lightsaber, but we never saw her use the Force. So we're like, well, maybe she showed some sort of Force aptitude or abilities in in things that we haven't seen. Um, but it's they heavily suggest. And they basically say that she's never actually used the force in her life. So it begs the question, why train her? Ah- Ahsoka seems to, to think that Sabine is the way to go in terms of an apprentice. And she's trying to she's trying to wring water out of a rock, it feels, trying to get Sabine to be able to use the force. I think it's really, really interesting. I'd love to learn more about how this came about. Because, like, Ahsoka wasn't like, uh, duck, 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 goose, you're my apprentice. Like, there's a reason that she that she wanted to train Sabine and Sabine wanted to be trained. Um, I'd love to get into that a little bit more because why Sabine? Something like, Hu Yang's like, she's the shittest Padawan I've ever seen. <laughs> Not in a million years would she be have been accepted by the Jedi Council. Why is she here? I'm asking the same question, Hu Yang. Don't worry about it, mate. Um, yeah, I, I would love to see them dive into that a little bit more because I think that's fascinating. And I think this idea that, you know, maybe the best teacher could teach anyone to wield the Force. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's a really interesting idea for sure and then there yes as i said there is this extended um chase sequence which is really really well put together the last two episodes have been directed by steph green 
who directed the best episode of Boba Fett by a long way, the second episode, where he's off with the Tuscans and doing the ceremony and getting high and all that stuff. That was one of the best episodes of any Star Wars thing I've ever seen. It just happened to be just miles better than most of the rest of Boba Fett, which was a shame. Um, but I'm glad she's being given more opportunities here because she fucking deserves it. And she's done a couple of really good episodes here. Um, especially this one. This is seriously strong. And this extended chase sequence is broken up really, really well. Really well. There's the initial chase and then they come up on the, the hyperspace ring and then they get shot and they're trying to fix it. And, and um, Ahsoka goes outside and then the chase continues and there's the purgle and then they, like it's, it's, it goes for 15 or 20 minutes but it's broken up so well. The structure of it is fantastic and the story that's woven in at the same time is fucking excellent. I really hope Steph Green gets to do more stuff because she's done a bloody excellent job in some of the Star Wars stuff um, that she's done. The, the, my favorite thing in this entire sequence is the, the, the teamwork. Ahsoka especially, learning how to be a better master in that not not trying to not learn how to be a better teacher and like you know not have the dynamic of i'm the boss you're not they're a team yeah and when it comes to everything outside of being a jedi sabine is extremely capable she's a mandalorian she's experienced she fought with the rebel alliance like she knows how to do everything else she knows how to survive she's she can there's nothing else worries her except being able to use the force and wield a lightsaber right um and ahsoka needs to trust her more and that's what ahsoka's learning i, I love when like at the start of the chase they're all a bit stressed and it's not really working and sabine sabine's sabine sabine is down the back of the ship trying to shoot the ships that are chasing them i love the look of those ships too they're like they kind of look like speeders but they're not. They look a little bit like Grievous's um, starfighter. I don't. I don't know what that ship was called. But if you remember it, um, you see it briefly in Revenge of the Sith. They kind of looked a little bit like that. I thought. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not really working. And then Hu Yang is just like talking, talking more shit. He's like, I have several things I would like to say about what's going on. And you know, Ahsoka's like later and he says if you two keep going the way you're going there's not going to be a later and ahsoka just takes pause and she goes okay how can i be better here don't be frustrated with sabine she's doing her best and she's doing a good job how can i be better how can i help her and then she says that what do you need me to do sabine you know trusting sabine's understanding of how to you know fight a battle oh i thought it was excellent um, as they, as they come up on the hyperspace ring, Hu Yang's trying to scan it and it's it just, it's just really funny the way Tenet's delivering the lines. They're getting shot at, they're really stressed and as he's trying to do the scan, he's like, can we just get a little bit closer? And they're like, shut up, no, we're not going to, he's like, closer please, just it's really really i thought that was really really funny that bit um then of course they get closer they're trying to get the scan they get shot the ship gets fucked up um they're just floating through space and they need a minute so sabine can fix it 
So Ahsoka's like, all right, well, we're still getting shot at by ships. I'll just go outside in space. I'll just go outside. And I was like, what is she doing? Is like, is she going to have a spacesuit on? And then she steps out of the ship wearing a full spacesuit. And I was like, that's really cool. It gave me big Clone Wars vibes. Like, that's the sort of funny, like, it's a little bit tacky, but it's like kind of fun. And it's very Star Wars. It's, it's, it just felt very, very Clone Wars to me, that whole sequence. It, it, it kind of reminded me of the episodes um, on Mon Calamari. That's the vibe that it gave me where they're all in like the diving suits and all, and they're fighting the fucking shark guy and, and whatever. Um, it just reminded me of that. I thought it was really fun and she fucks up that ship. She messes him up. Um, and then Sabine has a really clever way of getting her back inside, which was cool. The chase continues. They get down, uh, into the atmosphere, flying through the clouds and then, as we saw in the previous episode, when Balin looked up into the clouds, there are Purgle everywhere around this planet. I think this is where they originate from. I think this is their, you know, home planet, if you will. Not that they... I don't know if they ever, like, land. We've never seen them land. Maybe they do. I don't know. How do they rest? I have so many questions. <laughs> do, the, do they need... Now, here's something... So they're, 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 well, they're called star whales in this episode by Hu Yang, but they're like space whales, right? So whales are mammals and they can go a long time underwater, but they need to come up and breathe air. Are Purgle the same? This is all just coming to my brain. Can they, you know, fly around in space through hyperspace and whatever, but after they've done that, they need to go down to a planet's surface and take a breath breathe in the atmosphere and then they can go off again is i wonder if that's that would that makes total sense oh i bet that's why they look like whales <laughs> i bet that's why they look like whales um anyway i love purgle i think they're a really really cool animal um i think they're a really cool idea these ones are big <laughs> these ones that they fly past they're big and i love a big Creature, monster, whatever. Loved this sequence enormously. There isn't a whole lot of action or anything happening, but even when um, Shin and Maroc are chasing after them and they come down and see the Purgle as well, they, even they're like, like they're looking around like, whoa. Um, we've seen that Pur Purgle are all sorts of different sizes. Um, most of the ones that we see in like Rebels and stuff are like the size of a bus or like a big like yacht or a ferry that kind of size i'm trying to think of something that's more yeah like a really really big bus kind of um these ones are a lot bigger than that <laughs> these ones are so big these ones are like there's nothing comparable that i can think of they're like the size of an airport <laughs> these things they're really really big i love the scale i think the scale is amazing and just it, like we see some big ones in Rebels. I think these ones are bigger. The fact that we're seeing ones of such scale here just supports my theory again that Cetos is the home world of the Purgle. I think that is uh, the case. Maybe they're migratory. Maybe they return here to have their babies, whatever. I don't know. Um, but I just think they're really, really cool. And I liked seeing them. Um Ahsoka and Sabine are able to escape and hide, 
because they're in a red ship and they go and hide in a red forest and then the others can't find them. And that's basically the end of the episode. It cuts to Balin briefly because I guess Ray Stevenson was like, I'll come and be in your show, but I have to be in every single episode. Thank you. Goodbye. Um, he gets <laughs> he gets one line. He's like, they're in the forest. Go find them. But then he, then he like looks off into the distance, sort of up. And like he's, he's got this thinking sort of look on his face. And it sounds like I'm being a bit silly, but I, I genuinely wonder what he's thinking. I find him and Shin fascinating because Shin was like talking shit to Morgan Elsbeth after <laughs> after she sh- she's like, ha I've destroyed the ship. Ahsoka and Sabina dead. And then Shin goes, congratulations, you almost killed them. And I was like, oh, damn, throwing a bit of shade. I love it. But yeah, she and Balin, I don't think they like Morgan at all. I don't even think they're afraid of her. I think they just don't like her vibe. Um, Balin is clearly like interested in power. That's why he's trying to help Thrawn. That's, that's his, that's what's driving him. Or at least that's what he said to Shin. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I get I get a feeling that the two of them are just not evil at all. They're doing bad things and they're self-serving to a degree, but I I think they're just not fully all about what the end goal is of the people around them. That's the that's the vibe that I get. I think they're really interesting characters, and I think before the end of this season they're gonna get more fleshed out and they're gonna become more interesting. With I don't know if I mentioned last week, really, really touching tribute to Ray Stevenson at the end of the first episode. They just pat on the screen for our friend Ray. Um, he obviously tragically passed away a few months ago. Um, we won't know until the season is over what his character's fate is. Um, if his character survives, I hope that they you know recast and continue telling the story they wanted to tell. If his character doesn't survive, I think that's kind of nice and kind of poetic. Um, I want to see more of him. The, the only problem I have with this episode is that it's short. The content, fantastic. Just give me a little bit more. I, I want more Hera and I want more Shin and Balin. They're, they're doing really good character stuff in this show. The acting's excellent. I want a little bit more. Um, the the one thing that has frustrated me enormously about all these Disney Plus Star Wars shows is just the number of these like 35 minute episodes. Just, I don't know. I know that they're telling the story they want to tell in the way they want to tell it, but just give us a little bit more, please. Especially when you're doing good stuff like Andor, I thought was fantastic. It didn't matter how long the Andor episodes were because they gave us a lot of episodes. When you're doing just eight episodes of Ahsoka or six of Obi-Wan, just give us a little bit more, please. Anyway, um, enjoyed this episode enormously. Can't wait for next week. Next week, we're fucking halfway through. How sad is that? Um, I'm also appreciating these earlier release times. Like in Australia, it doesn't really make a difference because it's like coming out while we're awake anyway. Um, but I'm sure people in the States are really, really appreciating the, the I think it's a six o'clock release um, LA time. I think that's what they're going with. So America is awake um, and doesn't have to stay up all night to watch their Star Wars. I think it's good. Alrighty. 
that'll do for this one, guys. This was episode 66 of Star Wars Time. Execute episode. No. What sounds better? Execute podcast 66. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Alrighty. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening, guys. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment, leave a review, tell your friends, and I'll catch you next time. Bye.